Welcome to another episode of LDM, London Digital Mattering. There was a more innocent time in computing, before viruses, before hacking, but those days are far, far in the past. Now, we're a network society. We hook together our bank accounts, our fridges, our tellies, our social profiles, and by extension, we also connect our brains. What brings us together also makes us vulnerable. And with the revelations of foreign interference in the 2016 US presidential elections, and also the Brexit referendum, what does all this mean for the security of our democracy? I'm your host, Kieran Hanway. Joining me today to explore these questions is cybersecurity expert, Davey McGlade. Davey has worked for many years in systems engineering, architecture, and cybersecurity. He has advised and led on security initiatives for the British government, and he's also worked internationally with the US State Department, Homeland Security, Secret Service, and NSA. As usual, you'll find show notes on our site, www.ldnpodcast.com. You can follow us and say hi on Twitter, at LDNpodcast, and please do subscribe and leave a review wherever you found us. And now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Davey McLeod. Hi, Davey. Welcome to the show. Hey, Karen. How are you doing? Ah, super. It's really great to have you on. So um, so tell us about you and, and tell us a little bit about this cyber thing anyway. Yeah. So so my name is Davey McGlade. I am a technical person. I uh, have a background in software development and software architecture. And about four years ago, I went off and explored the world of cyber by doing a, a master's in applied cybersecurity. Um, uh, with a dissertation in, in machine learning. So it's all new, uh, reasonably new to me. Um, I'm not a dyed in the wool cybersecurity person, but I've been involved in some pretty big um, digital service projects um, and been exposed to some interesting situations like uh, US State Department visits, et cetera, on critical national infrastructure. So it's been a, a, a pretty quick in-depth sort of sheep dip for me into the world of cybersecurity. And it, <laughs> I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of like, combining the sort of development and architecture with the cybersecurity world. So that's a, a very quick intro. Wow. Uh, and I suppose having that combination of, of, you know, building stuff and also making sure it's safe, and it would be good to talk about what, what that means uh, and what security yeah. actually means in a second. But, but presumably then that means you're not like one of those stereotypical white hat hackers that you see on telly. Um, no, 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 no. The the mm. the, the, the hoodies and the anonymous mass. No, I'm not. I'm not like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Very so good. It, you're you're absolutely spot on. The the building side of things. You know, um, I've been in IT about oh, over twenty years or so, and you know, looking at that journey, um, ten even ten years ago, you wouldn't really have sort of seen security as a massive thing to consider. Um, you know, you're building software. And it's only over the last like, 10, 15 years or so that there's become more of a focus on it because it's you know, software's in everything, you know, from your fridge to your, your light bulb to your car. Um, and obviously there's people out there that want to, to try and, first of all, hack into these systems. You know, in the past, hacking wasn't a bad thing. It was really around exploring the, the, the abilities or the capabilities of, of a device and trying to push it a little bit further. But, you know, it's taken on a darker edge now, which is around 
um, compromising systems and, and you know compromising people um, uh, to to get money or to extort them or blackmail them, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that I guess systems and people are so much closer and so much more pervasive, it's gone beyond the the fun hobbies of. And I admit nothing here, um, and I'll deny it if asked. Anything to do with phone freaking or any of that that cool stuff that people got up to in I don't know from the seventies yeah. onwards. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But, but now we're all connected and social, I guess, and we have the IoT, Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, um, like you see the prevalence of devices um, just everywhere, everywhere. You know, whether it's baby monitors um, that you can, you know, dial into and see how your kid's getting on, um, or you know, unlocking your car whilst you're still on the plane and waiting to, to disembark. It, it, it's becoming a bit. But scary on this. Um, like if you ask me, I, I have very few internet connected devices in the house. You know, maybe a TV um, is, is the main sort of thing, a PlayStation or something like that. But, you know, Amazon uh, devices, Echoes or, you know, HomePods or whatever don't have any of that stuff no. in the house. No. Yeah. Um, so, so how would you define a cyber, how would you define cyber threat? So if somebody tapped you on the shoulder or, or somebody said, I'm explaining it to my grandma. How would you yeah. define this, How, this Wild okay. West? So, so, so basically, um, computer systems are built using software, right? And it's 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 not it's not as simple as like you go and you have a, a developer and they build a system. Usually, these systems are composed of lots of different building blocks, and that's either software libraries from other companies um, or components from other companies, and you combine them together, kind of like Lego. Right. Yeah. Um, so whenever you look at a, a system that's out there, whether you know you're you're going on to Facebook or you know LinkedIn, for example, those sites they might look like they're packaged and built by one company, but they're very they're often using various components from other companies, right? And each of those components can have a weakness in it, right? Now, in if you were looking at the analogy of building a house to, to sort of protect your your important things, right? You know, your your walls of your house are, are you know, they're checked whenever your building is put up, and you know you can pretty much rely on the walls of your house to sort of stay reasonably good over the the, the period of time you know that you're living in your house. But the difference with software is it kind of degrades, right? Um, in that there's vulnerabilities that haven't been detected in that software when they were built or when when they were coded, right? So you, right. if you imagine your 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 website like facebook for example or, or whatever other site it's composed of all these different libraries and different components and some of them might have a weakness in them right and the whole point of cybersecurity is to try and uh, protect against those weaknesses being exploited so you know this is this is the nature of it there's not a single sort of website uh, tool that just does it all for you you're, you're often using lots of different components and you know Every other day, there's vulnerabilities that are being found in these components, and they're exploited by um, bad people out there for for various different reasons. You know, whether it's someone just wanting to get kicks out of it and deface a website, to someone that is part of an organized gang who wants to just basically try and get money from you or you know commit fraud or steal your identity, for example. So, the, the whole point of cybersecurity is to build the, the sort of tools and technologies that can protect a system or you know multiple systems great thank you that's that makes loads of sense and i love the house analogy and i guess if i guess if you're uh, if you're building a, if you're building something using libraries using pre-existing code maybe from someone else and then they go and make a change to their own code that then is 
reflects in your own designs being changed. I guess cyber isn't just a one-off thing that you think about while you're building your analogous house. You're you're constantly having to recheck and re-architect. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That that's exactly it. It's, it's talked about being the supply chain, right? And the supply chain can be both software components and hardware components. And that's why there's a like you know a big sort of focus on 5G and where you know phone networks are, are being our phone components are being built from, you know, and the whole sort mm. of view about not using China because um, how do you trust where those components come from? So you know to give you an example, like multiple UK government websites in 2018 were using a plugin. Um, for browser allowed, basically speaking out text and um, on your site, mm-hmm. um, and that that plugin that component was compromised with a crypto miner, right? And it hit that crypto miner hit four thousand two hundred sites globally, and basically because that one component was used, that affected all those other sites. So you know, there's going to be a, more of a focus around the supply chain and, and really how you're building software. Like the analogy I would use here is like security to me is how quickly can you fix things because it's inevitable that something's going to happen, right? Yeah. If you've got two companies, company A and company B, and it takes company A a number of days to, to detect something, right? Uh, we'll come back to that, right? But say company A, it takes them five days to detect that they've had an issue on their site and company B, it takes them two hours. And company B can get that, uh, that vulnerability fixed in two hours, you know, it's much more secure than company A that's going to be sitting with that vulnerability for five days. So whenever you're looking at how services are built, you know, the speed of being able to um, release changes to those services, to, to put in patches, you know, fixes to the software is key, you know, because if you can't get those fixes out there, then effectively you're vulnerable. Yeah. And presumably that's so much more than a, a financial impact to your business if it, if it's if the site is brought down, but it's also reputational if you're holding people's data or you need to be compliant with GDPR or absolutely like a a, a lot of people think you know oh cybersecurity only concerns data right and to to a lot of points yes that's correct you know if you if you if you're capturing a lot of personal information on on a on a demographic then absolutely you want to make sure that that's secure and you know GDPR is out there to find you if you if you're not sort of uh, taking privacy uh, matters under under serious consideration and building you know your site to, to protect those systems but the other thing as well is like a system in its own right without data could be compromised and then be used as a staging ground right mm-hmm. for other attacks on other customers so you know again the supply chain you're, you're you're always part of a bigger pipeline here yeah gosh it's almost as if our computers are some kind of network <laughs> if only if only you know <laughs> sounds outrageous <laughs> yeah yeah so are there any sort of useful kind of rules of thumb or mnemonics or anything like that that we can think of if we want to think in a big term picture about cyber? Yeah. So so like if you look at any, any textbook on cybersecurity, they always call out the three letters of CIA, uh, cool. not the Central Intelligence Agency. Oh. But um, yeah, confidentiality, integrity and availability. These are the, the sort of three Three words that that sort of go along with cybersecurity. Um, confidentiality, you know, making sure that you have the right permissions to, to be able to see information and that that information is protected, right? So, you, you know, you're checking the access. Um, you know, do you, Kieran, have access to, to get into the system? Yes or no? If you mm-hmm. don't, then great. Um, integrity is all around protecting uh, the system from change so this could be data for example you know if you've got medical records and someone comes in and starts changing your dosage 
and you don't know about it, then you know the, the consequences are, are pretty real and pretty life-threatening there. Um, and then availability is the, the, the function to be able to access the system, right? And if a system isn't available, then you know, sites are down, for example. You know, the PlayStation Network could be offline or yeah. you know, Strava, for example. And if those sites are not available, then you know, you're effectively could be losing money um, if it's a, a massive e-commerce site, for example. Um, so you'll have heard things like denial of service attacks or distributed denial of service attacks. And that's basically a concentrated effort by, you know, evil groups, malicious groups to, to take a site offline for, for whatever reason, you know, and you can actually or could hire DDoS on demand. So I think there was a, a couple of guys in Israel, you know, they had even like a tiered system where it's like, you know, bronze level, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fire this amount of traffic at a site. And, you know, typically like, all, all websites are built on computers somewhere, right? There's computers up in the cloud, right? It's just a set of computers somewhere else, but there's finite amount of resources available. And if you fire a whole lot of requests, a whole lot of traffic at that website and simulate like you know, hundreds of thousands of users hitting that site, then it's going to cripple cripple it and it's going to fall over. So that's what a denial of service attack is. Right, right. Or I guess you could scale up your your say if it's on cloud you just start switching on loads and loads of virtual machines scale it up but then you're bleeding yep. money just just to cope with yep. the ddos yeah Interesting. exactly Eco economic denial of service attack yeah so you, you, you wow. deliberately try to get people to spend loads of money because like you know whether you're um you know a criminal gang or you know um a department building a service, you've got a finite amount of, of resources to put on it, you know, money, um, server components, all that sort of stuff. So if you can exhaust it, then you've won. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, you mentioned some guys in Israel. Um, uh, am I right in thinking there was a, another group of um, hackers or whatnot from Israel who, who launched a cyber attack on an Iranian nuclear research facilities yeah, right? yeah that, that's a that's a famous famous uh, story around Stuxnet and um, so basically uh, compromising the centrifuge readings to make it look like they were within um, tolerance when in actual fact they were spinning too fast and that actually caused those centrifuges to, to be destroyed um, blimey it's kind of like ghost in the machine you know um, if if you as an operator are sitting looking at your computer display and it's saying everything's fine, and how do you know otherwise? So this is the big thing about cybersecurity. Um, it's kind of like if you don't know what's happening in your systems, how can you ever defend against them? So um, typically we would build applications and those applications get deployed. But if you're not checking for the signs of someone trying to compromise your system, then you're, you're kind of in the dark. Um, and what I mean by that is like if, if someone's trying to log into your site lots and lots of times, then that could potentially be malicious, right? It's someone trying to, to brute force into your, your site, for example, using mm. lots of different username and password combinations. And you can get files, you know, on, on, on the internet with 10 million com combinations. And I guess, you know, for the listeners here, like around password security, you know, um, a lot of us use the same passwords in different sites, but a lot of those sites aren't defended to the same level. So, you know, you might use um, your, your, your favorite password um, across a number of sites and one of those sites gets compromised. You've got your credentials and they'll just try lots of different sites as well, you know, and, and get in using your, your, your credentials. So it's, it, it permeates a lot of different things here. So I'm guessing I should change my password because it is password one, two, three. 
<laughs> change yeah. your password. Yeah, one, two, three, and maybe an exclamation mark at the end, and a color in there, or the year, or something like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Like the the you know you can get so many di- like different types of dictionaries and combine them all. Um, so yeah, definitely invest in a password manager. And I think there are services out there so that people people can check whether or not they've their passwords are out there. You mentioned that you can get files online and. Uh, and whatnot is it have i been pwned or something is that yeah that that's right um troy hunt um uh, australian fella set up a really good service and basically he looks at all the sort of breaches um or security incidents where a, a site has been compromised um and the information that's been published on um nefarious sites and he collects all that together so if your if your credentials have been in any of these sites then you can actually go on and put in your email address and find out like you know how have has your identity been compromised has your credentials been compromised um so that's a really useful thing a lot of that is built into some of the password managers as well um so i i, I use a, a tool called one password and it will notify me if if any of those passwords have been compromised so it's it's really worth taking the time to get familiar with it um, because there's so much of your online identity is tied to, you know, good security practices. That's really useful. And for those listening, we will put um, links to the things that we mentioned here in in the show notes on ldnpodcast.com. So, um, so we've talked, we've touched a little bit on real world impacts like, um, you know, presumably blackmail through, you know, denial of service and whatnot, but um, what other kinds of impacts are there on on people and systems and businesses that that we yeah, can point to? So, so um, like obviously, election security is a big thing uh, on everybody's minds in the US at the minute. Um, yeah. you know, specifically around can voting machines be hacked and all those sorts of things, and uh, you know, a lot of disinformation going out there, and you, you'll find that cybersecurity and fraud and disinformation all parts of the same shape basically um now looking at like voting machine security you, you can buy voting machines on ebay for 150 dollars and go off and you know play around with them like a lot of the, the machines that are out there are outdated so that's why there's a big focus on say postal voting uh, as well but real world uh, implications of cyber you know, it, it can be pretty severe um you know a ransomware attack happened in dusseldorf um, last month um and that caused the death of a, a patient now, a couple of years ago, you would have heard of WannaCry, where it spread across so many different systems, 230,000 computer systems in 150 countries around the world. Um, and it just spread like wildfire, um, this worm just going from systems to systems. Um, so that has so, so sorry, what, for those listening, what, could you tell us a little bit about what a worm is? What is a worm? Yeah, so so it's, it's, a, it's a piece of code that will basically self-propagate um, and try to move from system to system. Uh, and in this case, it, it spread through um, particular um, ports on a computer mm-hmm. um, that were typically open. So in this case, like it, it infected so many computers, like hospital systems as well, that, that got impacted. Um, and the real-world implications are that those systems are not available. And if those systems aren't available, then they can't be used. So anything from freight shipping to, you know, Hospital systems, airline systems, etc., could have, could have been impacted here. That's that's crazy, right? So, the, so there's direct attacks on systems. You just talked about and that that um, that story about the. So, so what happened there in Dusseldorf with the hospital? 
Yeah, so so in this case, it was a ransomware attack, and um, it, it led to the, the death of that particular patient. Um, they were in for uh, cancer treatment, um, and the systems weren't available, and that, that caused an issue for them to be actually operated on. So I think this is one of the more, more sort of recent um, examples. Terrific. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like on the other sort of real-world implications around cybersecurity, um, like LinkedIn is a really good service for finding information out about people um, and how could that be used you know for for, for evil well um, LinkedIn was used to harvest information around NATO troops um, and then the spouses of Dutch airmen were targeted in 2019 with harassing phone calls and harassing emails and wow. like this is this is a real world implication so you know instead of going after an army in direct sort of conflict you go for the, the the weaker elements here, and this is where it all comes into play. Like your cybersecurity and good practices protect your information, uh, but that could be used against you if you're if you're not careful about how much you share online. Um, that, that's fascinating, and and also I guess um, I think I remember reading something about Strava being used to identify uh, secret military bases that weren't on maps, but you could yeah. see people running around the perimeters of their of their bases exactly. because they put it on a publicly viewable Strava. Strava is a running app for those listening who don't know for for tracking you via GPS and working out your times and your your route. Exactly that. Yeah. So I think games came out to the military and just to say look be really careful about what you share here. But you know you might have a smart scale at home. You, you know, you might have um smart devices in your house as well mm. and all that information is going somewhere and do you trust where it's going to and who's using it mm. um, and, and back to the, the the point on the information that you share um a lot of people use the same usernames across different sites and you know it's not too difficult to go on and create a fake profile add someone into linkedin and then you might see more contact information about them so you start to build up more and more of a profile about this individual and then that's that's effectively the 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 starting of a phishing campaign, you know, against that particular user, or if you want to go after someone, you know, senior, super important, you know, wheeling is the term here, you know, you want to get the big wheel. Um, And the whole point of this is like, you're crafting something that actually makes sense to the person, right? You know, somebody might've been involved in a charity, right? Or do charitable work. So you you find information about them. You see that there's a, a just giving page around them where they're, they're running or, or competing in some sport for, for a charity and then the next thing you craft an email you know from that charity using some of the information that you've gleaned and you start to build up a conversation with them and the next thing you're getting more information and you can get into their accounts for example so that's principally the way it, it goes about you know you you, you you craft a persona and you you try to obtain as much information on, on people as possible so be careful what you share out there yeah on yeah. social so, media so, <laughs> Um, so is that what we call social engineering? Social engineering, absolutely. And, you know, where that has real world implications is, you know, looking at election um, behaviours. Uh, so Cambridge Analytica, if you don't know the story, um, this this was a, a recent news topic, actually, um, mm-hmm. from Channel 4 News about how black voters were influenced. That's fascinating. There's, there's a really good book on this from uh, a guy called Christopher Wiley, who used to work for, for Cambridge Analytica. Um, and this is all around um, US elections and vote leave and how voters could be targeted using the information that they had put out about themselves. So, you know, you go on to Facebook and you fill in a personality quiz and then suddenly, you know, all this information is 
is collated with other data sets and you have such a, a massive amount of information on, a, on an individual. So it used like um, a personality model um, mm. called Ocean, you know, to, to determine like a, a person's openness. So Ocean, O-C-E-A-N, their open, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And basically, if you plot this, you know, by answering these personality quizzes, you can start to see where a person's um, you know, loyalties lie and their decisions would be made. And then you can target advertisements against these these people. These kind of like in, in the, the, the point of the Dutch Berman, you know, if you can target sort of key people and influence them, then you can move the the big oil tanker much more quickly than, than taking it head on, you know? So it's, it's really interesting, like, you know, how cyber and fraud and disinformation all come together. Well, that's, that's utterly terrifying. So, so look, <laughs> looking back at 2016, uh, the U S election, uh, or was it Hillary won the popular vote by 3 million votes, but Trump yeah. won the electoral college. So because of a, because of the way that the, um, the electoral system is set up and those are the rules and that's the game. Um, I presumably all you needed to do is swing a small percentage of people either not to vote or to vote in a particular direction. Is that? Yeah, exactly. That that, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. So, you know, it's being taken seriously this year. In a recent video came out around safeguarding your vote and it had the, the director of the FBI. It had the National Security Agency. It had CISA and the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. Um, lead on it as well, all talking about how they want to help protect your vote. Um, so, you know, it's being taken seriously from, from that perspective. CISA is the body, uh, stands for Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. It's a federal federal agency and it's it's responsible for like, critical national infrastructure of which you know, voting machines would, would fit into that. So it's good to see this, but um, yeah, the amount of disinformation that, that, that comes out um, through, through systems, you know, be careful about what you share because you can't be influenced. <laughs> so this will be going out in the week before the US election. Um, so we're recording this in mid-October, uh, and yeah. we're going to we're going to publish this um, uh, towards the end of October. So um, do do you think it's what, what's your gut feel just from what you know? Do you think the election is fatally compromised? Uh, is it too little, too late, or or has the government managed to keep up? So th there's good signs here. You, you know, you see um, the likes of Twitter putting uh, labels on state-sanctioned media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's a positive sign. You see um, you know, some signs from Facebook on removing, you know, conspiracy theory type accounts. Um, is it enough? It's really hard to tell. You know, th the one thing I'll say is like, be careful where you get your information from. You know, and, and ask yourself how do you how do you feel after viewing this or reading this piece of information if it makes you feel outraged you know be careful because you, you could be getting um you know manipulated here so uh, mm. spread out where, where you get your news sources from um and don't find yourself in an echo chamber you know surrounded by the same voices um you know it's always good to sort of broaden your horizon i think like other sort of actions that could come into play here like bots right so bots are automated pieces of code that pretend to be people. Um, and a lot of systems are rife with it. Twitter, it, you know, has a has a known problem with bots. And you, you might see someone put um, something in as a like a, a reasonable tweet around a, a political opinion. And then all these bots, fake accounts, you know, automated code uh, piles on and has a whole pile of responses against that tweet. So 
that's the thing, that's the area that I think could be much, much stronger about you know, removing these sorts of um, automated systems. Mm, mm. Yeah, and I guess the upshot of that would be to silence the the reasonable middle and to uh, amplify the extremes. Exactly. It, yeah. it, it's 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 kind of like um, an arms race here. You know, um, you put one of mine in the hospital, I put one of yours in the morgue. Lane. Hey, he pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you look at the... the the generation of fake images and fake audio files as well, you know, and it's, I, I empathize with people. How do you know what's real anymore? And I guess that's one of the sort of tenets of disinformation. You flood so much out there that people start to give up and they stop paying attention anymore. And, you know, that's as bad as, as going the wrong direction. You know, whenever a person's exhausted, it's like a denial of service on your own emotions and your own, ability to, to 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 be involved and to be engaged that's the danger i think um and that's where you know, cyber security and disinformation come together that that is a fascinating so yeah i mean i am feeling that way uh, <laughs> i'll be honest <laughs> putting my putting myself out there a little bit i am feeling that sometimes i'm i'm in a privileged position i guess where i can just sit back and go i, I just don't want to know anymore you know yeah. i i could do um, yeah. And I'd probably survive. I'd have enough food to eat and, and everything. For some people, this is a, a life and there are life and death decisions being made about their future or, or was, about was, their industries. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. It's very emotive. It's a very emotive area for, for people. And I think like, you know, some of the tenets of disinformation are to confuse, um, to anger, and to, to play on prejudices like, you know, racism and populism, you know, you know, yeah. Follow our leader. Our leader is great. You know, um, we're the best country in the world. All of those sorts of things are are geared to divide rather than you know bring people together. And I guess that's one of the things you should be looking for from your information. How how does this make me feel after I've read it? After I've consumed it? Yeah, yeah, difficult. I guess if you feel that you're right on the right side of history and something is uh, offensive and outrageous. Um, it's hard to tell. Am I being manipulated yeah. or has, quote unquote, the other side done something crazy? Yeah. So yeah. who's... who's Alter oh, go on. It's alternative facts, Kieran. It's alternative, alternative facts. Alternative facts, yeah. <laughs> oh, God bless Kellyanne. So yeah. um, so if you could rank, say, the top five countries who are leading, not, not just on the good, but not just on the bad that we've really focused on, but also the good uh, mm -hmm. in this space... Where would where would you put whom? So who's it's at number a, it's one? That's a really really good question. So if if you look at the US, the US has like exceptional ability, um, and they pulled together that agency, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. That's a federal agency, and one of the things about the US, which is really interesting, is that. Um, you know, the federal government spans the country, but states have a lot of say in their own. Away, right? So, you know, a federal law could be put in place, but states don't necessarily have to abide by that. So, you know, there's that challenge, I think, in the US there. You know, they're, they're, they're strong at the top, but, you know, they need to bring everybody else along with them from, mm -hmm. from the state level. Um, you, you look at the likes of Russia, Iran, North Korea, um, they're very, very strong. Um, you know, they've got intelligence agencies that, you know, and bot farms that can be spun up. To, to provide those that disinformation. I think a lot of currency in North Korea is is obtained, you know, illegally. Um, 
through sort of hacking and ransomware and Bitcoining type exercises. Oh, wow. Um, so, so, you know, all of that aspect is still at play. Um, the UK government as well um, is, is very, very strong, um, both, you know, from a defensive mechanism. The, the, it's good to see the National Cybersecurity Centre um, come into, into being a few years ago. So the NCSC is the public persona of GCHQ, um, which is the UK sort of satellite comm spying industry. Um, and, but the NCSC has been heavily involved in, you know, building out good cybersecurity practices on how you build digital services and how you secure your your organization, um, but also, you know, reaching into schools and, and having initiatives like Cyber First as well um, to sort of drive or develop the next level of, of cybersecurity people. Um, so it really does range. Like the, the thing that I will point out is it, it it's it's always about resources, um, you know, how much money can be spent at it. Um, you know, if you want to maintain a denial of service attack, like eventually, you know, you're going to run out of money, you know, mm. uh, spinning up all those different um, computers to direct traffic at a site. So, you know, the big pockets count on this, um, but the, the skill level as well is becoming a lot, uh, it's becoming easier to, to move into cybersecurity and use some of the offensive tools. Um, you know, so I, I would put a word of warning, you know, if you are interested in cybersecurity, be careful what you're doing um, because there is the Computer Misuse Act and you can get slapped and you can get uh, put in prison for, for those sorts of things. So if you are interested, do it, do it the right way. Absolutely. So how could, if just so we give people that route and we don't encourage a load of uh, a load of kids in bedrooms to uh, to do a Matthew Broderick and hack, yeah. uh, <laughs> hack the nuclear rockets. Shall we play a game? How about mobile thermal nuclear? So uh, yes. what would be a good way to get into this field? Okay. Um, so there are a number of online um, sites. Uh, so one of them is called Hack the Box, yeah. um, which gives you a number of uh, like virtual machines, virtual computers that you can go on and actually try to hack into. Um, and you, you can download um, Kali Linux, um, which is, uh, again, another sort of virtual machine that has all these tools, all these hacking tools combined into it in a very sort of easy to use approach. Um, the learning curve is, is pretty, um, pretty steep, you know, mm. but if you're, if you can persevere, then absolutely you can get in, in into it. Um, virtual hacking labs is another sort of online provider where you've got exercises that you can go through. And they, those sorts of online sites teach you really good concepts on, you know, the, the the approaches of hacking into a system. And, you know, for, for the benefit of it, it, it's not, it always sounds like it's a dark art. It's really about information gathering, right? A lot of websites that are deployed um, out, out there on the cloud or, or on someone's server in, a, in an organization, they use specific technology for web servers or web pages or components that we, you know, in the supply chain. And each of these different components have versions, right? And each of those versions might have a vulnerability in it. So if you were wanting to hack into a site, the very first thing you would be doing is like an information gathering exercise um, to understand, well, what, what versions are at play here? And then from that, you can find out what vulnerabilities exist, right? So say, say you have a web server that serves up HTML pages, right, for your website, and that web server is version 10, um, and you might say that the latest version is 12. Well, version 10 might have like a vulnerability in it. 
And if you do the following steps, then that gets you into the web server. Now, from that point, you may not have compromised all of the system, but at least you've got a foothold and then you begin again. You know, once you're onto the web server, you start looking around and saying, well, what other programs are installed? And you might have gained a foothold as a very basic user, right? You know, you've got no no privileges whatsoever. Mm. Um, the next stage is to, to privilege escalation, right? So how do you become, you know, a much more powerful user on that machine? And then from that point, you know, you're moving across onto other machines and you're eventually, you know, you're in the finance system and you've got all the company records. It's That's basically the principle in a very sort of simplified approach. But yeah, it's all about information gathering, finding out what's what's vulnerable and you have to be very patient. That's the thing about hacking. You know, it looks very glamorous on the screens with people like, you know, tapping screens really, really quickly, but it's a, it's a very patient exercise. Great, great. So good, a bit of detective work, perseverance, um, just all the sorts of things that we teach our kids anyway, to be curious, yes. to keep trying. Um, do you, would you say that ballerinas are a particularly... Um, <laughs> <laughs> a good yeah, route into being cybersecurity experts. Absolutely, Kieran. That was my, you know, previous career. But uh, no, it, it's it, like the one thing about cybersecurity. It, it, you know, people have the uh, pers- perspective that it's all around hacking. It's not really. There's so many different areas. You know, you've got computer forensics as one area. You know, if if a if a hack has occurred, you're you're trying to find out what happened and how it happened and preserving that evidence. And it's very much like, you know. Um, protecting the evidence chain, you know, so that you can present in a court of law that um, this person did the following. And that, you know, that's really, really fascinating area, right? And um, you've got malware, which is kind of like you know, the viruses that spread and, and how do you reverse engineer those to find out how they work and how they um, propagate. Mm-hmm. You've got things like security engineering, um, you know, how you build uh, digital services and websites to be secure from the start rather than, you know, coming along at the end and, and uh, testing them to, to find out how secure they are. You've got the area of cryptography, you know, how do you encrypt data? How do you protect that data from being read? You know, if 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 you're sending it from A to B, um, uh, you want to make sure that it can't be tampered with, it can't be read. So so the field is 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 huge here and it's only going to grow because as we mentioned you know you've got iot devices where you know it's your fridge it's your car whatever and each of them are going to need a security element in the future so what are, what do you see davy is the um the longer term trends and challenges in this space uh that's a good question kieran so so like looking around you know the internet i, I remember um you know 20 years ago, writing um, a bid response around new technologies that was coming out, and that was re- around the first websites, right? Mm. That's Some of those technologies are still out there, right? And we would typically call them legacy, um, you know, uh, legacy technology. And they're still around. Um, and how do you secure them? Because they haven't been built with that in mind. And some of these systems... Um, are, are no longer supported. The people have moved on. The technology's moved on. So, you know, how do you how do you bring these legacy systems into the into the real world of being secure and being available and protecting integrity and confidentiality as well? I think that that's going to be a big challenge there. I think um, around infrastructure, critical national infrastructure, um, has I think hasn't been developed with confidentiality confidentiality in mind. It's been developed with being available, you know, um, and being out in a rugged condition, like, you know, a windmill in a field, for example, 
probably doesn't have cybersecurity at the top of its list. No. Um, so, so you know, how do you how do you bring those um, into a more secure way? Um, if you look at IoT, a lot of these IoT devices that are out there, um, you know, they're not built for for long use in mind. A lot of them come with default passwords as well. You know, um, and those IoT devices are or can be used as part of um, like a botnet. Um, so, you know, you would have, for example, um, say a smart speaker connected to your mm-hmm. network mm-hmm. Um, and it has a default password. And it's an internet device, right? And someone logs in and compromises your smart speaker and then uses it to, to gain a foothold into your, your network. Um, and then your network becomes part of this botnet um, that is used to um, direct lots of traffic requests to, to bring other sites on, offline. Oh, so so you, you become a slave to somebody. You become a slave, service. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And, and, you know, that's, that's how it spreads. So I think like, you know, legacy and IOT are, are, are definitely going to be big challenges there. I think, you know, designing systems that can be patched quickly um, yeah. and released and updated quickly is key. And, um, you know, if you, if you can't do that, then, you know, you're sitting with a vulnerability that could be there for, for hours or days. And it's only a matter of time before it's, it's found. Um, there's a, a really interesting um, website called Shodan. Um, and if you, you search for Shodan, you can go in and you can find like people's yachts and windmills and, you know, funeral parlor cremation machines that have been connected to the internet and they have, you know, no authentication on them or you know, really weak passwords and credentials. And you can log in and you can start mm-hmm. like turning, turning cremation machines on and off. Oh my internet. goodness. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting from that perspective. So, you know, there's a massive sort of area here that needs to be secured. And you know, the speed of, of patching those, those software uh, components is key. Wow. Now, for, for the future, um, to, to, to tar- tackle your, your second part of that question, mm. um, like given the amount of devices that are out there, um, you kind of need to know what's happening with them. And typically we would call that logging, right? So you know, if someone logs into your site, we might put a record um, in a database that says, look, Kieran's logged into this site at this date on this time. But you, you multiply that by all the people and all the devices, and suddenly you've got this mass of information that is really, really difficult to process, specifically by, by human operators. Um, so that's where you'll see the advance of machine learning and AI, you know, to, to start to look for patterns in, in these data sets to detect things that may not be immediately obvious to, to human. So I, I kind of see that convergence of, of AI and cyber happening. I guess that's the cyber equivalent of um, the algorithms that have been used for tracking fraudulent activity on credit cards for years. Exactly, exactly. You know, yeah. that, that is, that's the sort of evolution of it. Um, it's whenever it gets to the point where you can't figure out how it detected something, it's a wee bit worrying. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So um, thanks for that, Davey. So how can people find out more about you? <laughs> I've deliberately removed most sort of uh, social social press. I do have a LinkedIn profile um, with uh, you know sort of basic contact information uh, on it. So you know, add me to LinkedIn. I'll, I'll check out your profile and see what I can find out about you. Um, but Amazing. yeah, that, that's probably the main thing. Mysterious McGlade. Got to protect your information, man. Do so. Um, and do you look up to anybody in the digital space in particular? Yeah, so um, that the book um, Mind, f- <laughs> you can uh-huh. beat that one out. It's M I N D F 
Asterix CK uh, by Christopher Wiley. I finished that uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I think that was a really interesting read. Um, it's all around Cambridge Analytica and, you know, disinformation mm-hmm. and how, how that information can be used, you share about yourself can be used against you. And I found that, that really interesting because it's clear that he's on a journey um, to see that, look, with horror, you know, he was part of a system or part of a team that built a system that could be used for, for, for you know, nefarious purposes. And I think that, you know, from that perspective, for him to, to, to share that outwards and the flack that he, he, he took from it. And I found that really interesting and, and you know, decent character. Um, it's kind of like the people that in, invented the, you know, the Manhattan Project and they're sort of stepping back going, look, look what we've made here. He knew the world would not be the same. Few people laughed. Few people cried. Most people were silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice reference. Um, okay, so is that uh, is that actually mind f- or is it mind f asterisk ck? F asterisk ck. Oh, it is okay. You just wanted yeah. to say mind. F- totally. <laughs> just to cause you problems. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to learn how to bleep. Um, yeah, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah. And then finally, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, about the, the, the systemic um, threats. By systemic, I mean to computer systems. We've yeah. talked especially about social, societal, and human threats. So um, is our democracy dead? We will see in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, I think, you know, from the US elections and how that turns out, I think more people are aware of it, but I think you're seeing a lot more polarisation of news sources. Um, you're seeing this even happening in the UK with you know, spokespeople being appointed by, by um, you know, politicians um, and media companies being owned and shaping the news. Like, we, we are all susceptible. We're all big bags of chemicals. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't sleep well, if you don't eat well, you feel crap. But it's the same thing for what you read uh, and what you consume. Um, it can impact you and it can impact your, your, your mental health and your, your perspective and can get you wound up about things. Mm. I think, you know, that is, is most concerning to me. And um, I think, you know, if people um, use multiple news sources and, you know, question, question the narrative of, of why you know this particular news is coming out or at this time and is there a source behind it i think you know it could go a long way to help protecting democracy but yeah time will tell on this one you know? absolutely well we're it, it's clear we're at the the cusp of a big change um with people catching up to what has changed in in the past few years mm-hmm. uh, it must be an absolutely fascinating um, feel to be working in and uh, I really really enjoyed uh, today's conversation and learning a little bit more um, thank you thank you so much um, we'll include all the stuff that you've just talked about there we'll be capturing as show notes for people um, so once again thank you so much and uh, take care have a great day thank you cheers Carl. see you later That was cybersecurity expert Davey McGlade. Being an international man of mystery, I'm afraid you'll not find him on Twitter. That's it for today's show. What did you think? Please leave a healthy, robust rating on your podcast app and smash that subscribe button. 
As usual, you'll find show notes on our site, www.ldnpodcast.com. And come join us on Twitter. I'm at Kironi, and this show is at LDN Podcast. See you next time.